Blog Talk Radio. Just thank everybody for the uh, the numbers we've been seeing on the sh- for the show on a weekly basis have been outstanding. That's thanks to you guys, because let's face it, uh, we are some diehard maniacs who can't get enough of this team, good or bad. But anyway, enough of that. As I'm sure most of you know by now, we'll get right into it. OTAs kicked off today, but trumping that bit of news was uh, the the announcement within the last hour or so that Christian Hackenberg has in fact been traded and sent off to the Oakland Raiders for a conditional seventh-round draft pick. So the Christian Hackenberg experiment is over. The former second-round draft pick out of Penn State University doesn't take a single snap in two pro seasons with the Jets. Not one snap. He got some run in the preseason, Looked pretty much atrocious across the board. Um, Not really much you can say he did well at all. Beyond this first drive, which was a fluky thing. Everyone remember that first drive he had? I think it was against the Giants in the preseason. It was at MetLife. I don't know. I can't remember who it was against. We threw like three, four passes, marched all the way down the field, threw a beautiful touchdown pass. That was it. (laughs) That was it. From that point on, I think uh, Christian Hackenberg completed he may have completed more preseason passes on that first drive than he did for the rest of his uh, Jets career. But it is over. He is gone. I think he's a good kid. I don't, you know, no ill will, no, uh, you know, he doesn't come across as a bad guy. I've never spoken to anyone in the organization who has anything negative to say about him. But he is gone. It is a conditional seventh. Now, I would venture to guess that the only way the Jets see a seventh-round pick is if the condition is that Christian Hackenberg be on a plane to Oakland in the next 48 hours. If that's the condition, I think they get that pick. If it's making the roster, if it's getting playing time, I'm not so sure about that. And I know I know, John Gruden gushed about the guy. I tweeted this out a while ago, and I've seen some other people tweet you know, similar stuff. John Gruden said during his John Gruden QB camp that, you know, this guy should be, he can't believe he's not a first-rounder. And let's face it, John Gruden, love him or hate him, the guy gushes about every single quarterback they bring on that show. All right? If if they rolled you or me in there to throw the football in front of John Gruden with those cameras rolling, he'd have nothing but praise. Never has a bad word to say about anyone. But a seventh rounder, again, conditional seventh, will probably end up being nothing. But it had to happen. It You know, it, it, it didn't work out here. Um and the bigger story, really, than the trade, at least, you know, and, and this may get glossed over, this may get lost in the shuffle because of the trade itself and because OTAs are, you know, have kicked off today and everyone's going to be caught up in that. 
for those of you who didn't see it, um, Rich Samini of ESPN New York, um, and I, I did a, a little recap of this on JetNation.com, kind of talking about some of the stuff Christian Hackenberg had to say today when he addressed the media before the trade. Um, he, didn't, he didn't see any reps in practice. That was reported, but it, apparently the reason for that is because the Jets knew the deal was in the works. They didn't want to put him in there, risk an injury. So he saw no reps for that reason. But when Christian Hackenberg met with the media, and again, some people are saying, who cares? He's gone. We don't care. This, this matters in terms of the big, the big picture, especially with Sam Darnold in the building now and a guy you want to see brought along. And, yes, of course, he will be treated far differently than Christian Hackenberg was. Um, Christian Hackenberg, was, it was known he was going to be a long-term project. Donald is a guy that you know the Jets want to see him under center at some point this year. But um, Hackenberg said that uh, he, he, he said he felt like he threw the ball well at times the last couple of years. Whether or not that's the case is debatable. You know, only the coaches have access to every throw. I find it hard to believe he threw the ball well. But um, Hackenberg said in regard to the Jets coaching staff, and again, this is according to Rich Semini of ESPN New York, said that he never really got any information on how to fix the problems he was going through. Um, that's, that's, that's a pretty damning statement. Um, and, and, you know, Todd Bowles was asked if this deal was made because of the comments, as I mentioned a minute ago, and uh, I think it was Ian Rappaport, one of the insiders reported that the deal was already in the works. So the Jets were already working this trade out before Christian Hackenberg made these comments. So this wasn't a, a, a you know, knee-jerk reaction thing. But Christian Hackenberg says about the Jets coaching staff that he never really got feedback on how to fix his issues, and he said he was glad that somebody finally stepped up to help him. And he wasn't talking about anybody on the Jets coaching staff. He was talking about somebody who used to be on the Jets coaching staff. Uh, for those of, you, those of you who remember, quarterback coach David Lee, who worked under Rex Ryan and then went to Buffalo with Rex. But uh, David Lee got in touch with Christian Hackenberg at some point, and got him latched on to uh, QB guru Jeff Christensen. And that's who Hackenberg's been working with the last couple of years, or sorry, the last couple of months. And Hackenberg also said today that for the first time in a long time, he feels like he's got a solid foundation. And, you know, this could be all, what else are you going to say? You know, I mean, he's going to, he's going to, he's got to say rejuvenated, renewed, blah, 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 because he's done nothing to this point. But you could do that without saying, for the first time in a very long time, I feel good, basically, after somebody who does not work for this organization stepped up and hooked me up with another person who does not work for this organization. Um, so not, not, a, not, a, not flattering comments from Hackenberg. And again, yes, he is gone, but the, the staff that supposedly um, engineered this disaster, uh, they're still in place. And Hackenberg went on to say, again, this is according to Rich Samini, that uh, there was a story earlier this offseason when it was learned that Hackenberg was working with Christensen, reworking his mechanics, you know, trying to rebuild his, his, uh, his throwing motion. And Todd Bowles said he, had, he was unaware of it and had only found out that week uh, when he saw it or someone told him. Hackenberg claimed that everyone was made aware of the plan in January. And I'm not sure what Todd Bowles' motivation would be to say he didn't know if he knew. Um, so I don't, I don't know if Todd Bowles was in a place with Christian Hackenberg where he was so disconnected that he didn't care what Christian Hackenberg did this offseason. Um, if you could have told Todd Bowles Christian Hackenberg was going to go, you know, diving with great whites without a cage, Todd Bowles may not have cared. 
because I, I think in his mind he knew Christian Hackenberg was gone. But even still, you know, it leading up to that, it sounds like Christian Hackenberg is basically saying that as a member of this organization, uh, the coaching wasn't there, the answers weren't there, the help wasn't there, and it took someone from outside the organization coming in. And, you know, again, it, in all likelihood, it will amount to nothing. I, for one, and not, I don't think I'm, a, I'm alone when I say that I would be shocked if Christian Hackenberg stepped up and played well, because let's face it, as I said, there's, there's really not anything he's done that you can look at and say, well, at least he's doing that. At least he's, you know, it's just, he's just looked bad in just about every, every facet of the game. Um, some people got on me after his rookie, after, you know, training camp, his rookie year. And, and I said a few times that, you know, and I didn't, uh, you know, I'm a fan. I, I want any, I want any draft pick. I want every player in a Jets uniform to succeed. But I, I watched Christian Hackenberg in training camp extensively, and I just said, I came away and said, this guy, this guy can't throw a spiral. Like, I, he, he doesn't look like he knows how to throw a football. And I don't, I mean, yeah, you, you get, you know, some guys throw tighter spirals than others. But when every, I mean, you know, of course not every throw, but we're talking 60% of his throws were just wounded ducks, just wobblers, whether they were completed or not. And I thought, how is this guy ever going to get any zip on the ball? And he, you know, how's he going to run an offense? How's he going to make these tight window throws if everything flutters? And that's what I saw from him. And I said it, and people, oh, you don't, who cares? It's only practice. You know, it's one thing to say that a guy's not doing well in practice. It's another thing to say that whether he's playing catch on the sidelines or taking reps in practice, whether it's drills or seven-on-sevens, 11-on-11s, if you can't throw a football the way an NFL quarterback throws a football, why in the world would that change when the games start? You know, they're struggling from a mental aspect, but when there's something you can't physically do, if you're a wide receiver in practice and, you know, you're running a 5-6-40, you're, you're not all of a sudden going to start running a 4-3 in games. Like, if that's what you do, that's what you do. And this could be why he's working on his mechanics and I wish the kid well, you know, as bad as it would make the Jets look if he went on to play well. I don't dislike Christian Hackenberg. I just think that, and again, I know I'm not alone on this, I would be amazed if he turned out to be uh, even a productive NFL quarterback. Um, I'm not, I don't, as I said earlier, I don't wish him any ill will. And I'd be, if he does, he does. You know, again, it would make the team look bad. But I have no issue with the guy. And, and again, if, if his comments if what he's saying is accurate and there was very little communication between him and the coaching staff and it took someone outside the organization to come in and work with him extensively like it mattered, then, uh, you know, I don't know how that's not a red flag. Um, I, I think there will be, as you know, and as I said at the beginning of this, he is going to be treated far differently to Sam Darnold will be treated far differently than Christian. I mean, let's face it, Hackenberg's rookie year was a red shirt, Chan Gailey said himself, you know, I don't have the time to work with that many quarterbacks. So he probably, you know, st stood and watched for his entire rookie year. So not a lot of reps going on there. Um, as you may have seen in the uh, the show description, we are expecting Neville Hewitt to call in. Uh, we've been in touch with his people. Uh, I will say the last couple messages we had, we were uh, looked like we were good to go, and uh, but we may have hit a snag, so I can't guarantee he'll be calling in. But uh, we are expecting him. And we are also going to be joined later on by Christian Dyer of Metro. 
and we're going to talk a little bit. Christian wrote a piece uh, earlier this week. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's worth taking a look, saying that there is no playoff mandate for Todd Bowles this year. Um, we'll get into that later. In short, I agree with that. I think that some fans are, you know, we're a little upset to see that because this team, it's been so long since they have been to the playoffs. But, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll get into that a bit more in depth later on. But, again, uh, we are expecting Neville Hewitt to call in at some point. And, actually, as I'm saying that, we do have a caller. So let's go to the phones real quick and see if this is him. Um, hi, this is Jet Nation Radio. You're on the air. Who do we have? Uh, yes, hello? Yes? Um, yeah, I'd like to call in about um, the Jets linebackers. Well, go ahead. You're on the air. All right. Well, um, I think that the head coach for the linebackers should be uh, Jason Giambi. And why is that? Is it is this a Peds reference? Uh, and maybe you should add in the Smurfs to play um, quarterback for uh, the um, the Jets. I think it can make a huge difference. Right, that was uh, that was hilarious, and we do have another caller. Hi, caller, you're on the air. Hey, Glenn, it's Ryan. It's been a while. How are you? Hey, everything's going good. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. You know, uh, I'm glad Hackenberg's gone. Yeah, I, you know, I think most of us are. You know, as I said at the top, and I'll, you know, it'll come up a couple times that no ill will against the guy, but it was time for him to move on especially today with news uh, coming out of camp that they'd had a uh, – that there was a really impressive performance from Teddy Bridgewater. But, I, I mean, I, even that I don't think impacted it hugely. I think the plan all along was to, to move on from him. And, again, as I said, it's a conditional seventh, which often ends up being nothing. But I think that's something that uh, the teams could live with, that the Jets can live with. It was about getting him off the roster. And moving on, you know, and Todd Bowles said – and, you know, and he's right. You know, is it a, is it a terrible pick? Yes. Um, you know, and somebody asked Todd Bowles, is it a wasted pick? And he just said, look, you know, any time you don't hit on a pick, it's a wasted pick. But, you know, unless you got a four-leaf clover up your butt, um, nobody hits on every pick. And we know this. And it's because we're a quarterback-starved franchise. Anytime you take a quarterback, really no matter what round, but, of course, the higher the round, the, the, the bigger the microscope. And Jets fans just, they wanted this guy to succeed as a second-rounder. And, obviously, Look, you take a quarterback in round two and he never sees the field, it's a disaster. There's no other way to categorize it. Um, absolute disaster of a pick. Um, someone said earlier that if Darnold works out, then all will be forgiven with the Hackenberg pick. Um, and as I said, if uh, if Mike McCagnan were to set my home on fire, all would be forgiven if Sam Darnold works out because I think that's the, that's the point we're at now. Like, let's get a quarterback in here. So I, I think we're all glad he's gone. The team can move on one less one less issue, um, but he, he was going to be gone all along. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, this is Darnold's team now going forward. Even today, you know, before he was traded, uh, during OTAs, we've seen, obviously, Bridgewater was looking good. But uh, a lot of the headlines came after practice where it's like, where it got a lot of crit. I mean, Hackenberg, you know, find out from a lot of beat reporters, just, you know, that he got zero reps. And it's not that it's, like, annoying, but, you know, just going forward, I'm kind of glad we won't be seeing any more Hackenberg debates. You know, it's kind of sickening. He got every chance uh, last summer, him and Petty, to um, 
take over and start last year for McCown. You know, really, they got majority of the reps last training camp. Uh, obviously, they couldn't get it done. And uh, we're just moving forward now, you know, with Darnold. Yeah, exactly. You know, they, they, Petty and Hack both had a chance to grab the bull by the horns last off season, or uh, last preseason. That didn't that didn't happen, and uh, and it was time for them to go. So I, I don't really see that. Uh, you know, either one of those guys. I, I don't know if things will work out for them. I think it's interesting that the Dolphins claim Petty because I do uh, I do have a lot of respect for Adam Gase. I know he's a respected offensive mind. He's worked with Manning. He uh, I I think. Uh, more than most Jet fans, I think uh, I've been a bit more impressed with with Ryan Tannehill than than Jets fans have. I think he's gotten better every year. I think he played really well under Gase. I think he will play really well under Gase. Um, but that that's another topic for another time. But Gase is one of those guys. Where, you know, when you look at a young quarterback and say, you know, is this guy going to be the answer, um, or you know, is is this guy going to develop? I think if you're a young quarterback, Gase is the type of guy you want to go work under. And uh, and try to hone your craft. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But it, you know, as far as hack, and I, I mentioned it at the top that the zero reps thing that that had more to do with the fact the Jets were basically they, they were actively working that trade. They were on the phone with Oakland. You don't want to, you know, if you're in the middle of a deal and you send a guy out there and he, you know, bangs his hand on somebody's helmet and you know fractures a finger. You just you just don't want a freak injury, fluke injury. So you keep him off the field and work out the deal. I was surprised they let him meet with the media. Um, because, as I said, I don't know if you heard it in the beginning, um, he, he did have some, some not-so-flattering things to say about the coaching staff and his time here. Um, but, you know, he, he's gone now. He he met with the media. He had his say, the Jets said, and, and uh, you know, as I'd already said, that the deal wasn't about trading him because he was critical. The deal was about trading him because they were already trading him anyway. And, yeah, you move forward with Darnold. I still think Bridgewater – I mean, maybe less likely now. I thought I thought the one chance Hackenberg had to stick was if Bridgewater was trade bait. Um, and if Bridgewater plays well, I'll tell you what, man. It's, I mean, if you're the Jets and you're patient, and Teddy Bridgewater has a really nice preseason, and um, you just kind of store him away and wait till some other team, a, a hopeful contender, maybe gets an injured quarterback, you may flip him for a second or third rounder. Um, if, you know, again, if he's playing well. So, the, the, you know, he can be a trade chip there. But really nice to hear that he played well. You know, we, we know about the injury. We know that there's been conflicting reports in terms of how ready he is to go. And it sounded like from both Rich Samini and Manish Mehta and everybody out there today that uh, that he wasn't limited and he was moving well and and he looked sharp throwing the ball. Yeah, I was definitely glad to see that. Uh, Bridgewater, just, he's a great guy. And uh, he's just a guy you can definitely root for, uh, even – after practice, I, you've probably seen, I don't know if you've seen, but he had an interview with the media as well. And he's just a, he's just a class guy. The guy, this is his answer is a professional. He never throws anyone under the bus. They asked him about, you know, his particular situation with McCown signing back and drafting Sam at three. And uh, he handled it very well. This is his answer. It was just totally professional. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a phenomenal preseason, especially if he's healthy. He is a pretty solid quarterback in this league when he was healthy. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they look to um, if they do get something back for him in the future. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because, again, a, a lot of people have talked about him as a trade chip. I think I, I know I'm thinking back. I think that was one of my initial comments when they signed him. Um, but I mean, nobody would be surprised. I don't think anybody would be surprised if he won the starting job. I mean, you know, the only problem there is that you almost want McCown to win that starting job or get the starting job because at least you can then flip Bridgewater for a pick. 
if Bridgewater wins the job, well, then McCown's your backup, which is fine. You could do worse as a backup. But you'd almost rather have that commodity that you can move for a draft pick, um, you know, that can become a player you take next year. But, I mean, in all honesty, if Bridgewater's 100%, which, again, that's been the, the, the talk all the time, is will he be healthy, will he be healthy? If he's 100%, I'd, I would actually give him the edge over Josh McCown. Even though McCown, you know, got all the reps with the one today. Look, it's day one of OTAs. You know, Donald really struggled, apparently. Two for ten in team period. Got sacked a couple times. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's his first practice with a full team, and he's, you know, working with the number twos. And, you know, he's got a long way to go. But if Teddy Bridgewater wins this competition, it, it's it's kind of a – again, I, I would almost rather McCown – I'd rather McCown and Bridgewater both play well enough to deserve the, the starting nod. Uh, well, I mean, ideally you want it to be Donald. But I, I think the Jets – I think no matter what, I think they're going to give Donald a few weeks to sit back and learn. Um, but, yeah, if McCown wins that job – and Bridgewater still plays well, then you got to trade chip. If Bridgewater plays well enough to win that job and you actually win some games out of the gate, then you're not in position to trade him. He's only got a one-year deal, um, so you're going to have a difficult, you know, you're going to have a difficult time getting anything in return from because he'll walk after this year. Not going to franchise him at that price tag. So, but I mean, listen, the Jets, believe it or not, you know, within the next couple months, could find themselves in a position where they have two very good young quarterbacks on the team. Um, who other teams actually have an interest in in Bridgewater. And, you know, when was the last time we were able to say that, that the Jets had two young quarterbacks that other teams would want? If, if you're telling me we have two, then things are going well in uh, Florham Park. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a... A great off season, you know, and it is only the off season. We got to see the results on the field. But uh, Mike McCagnan, by by doing what he's done, and I, you know, I said it earlier, uh, the depth chart he inherited was uh, Geno Smith, Michael Vick, and and Chris Sims or Matt Sims, whichever Chris Sims, I forget which one it was now. Doesn't even matter. I think it was Matt. Yeah. They're gone, and so now you've gone from Geno, Vick, and Sims to Darnold, Bridgewater, and McCown. I mean, that's talk about 360 I and mean, you know look it took a few years everybody was you know people were losing their minds the last couple of seasons that they didn't go QB in round one but you know they were working through some things as I said you know I, I think year one was about evaluating Gino he got his jaw broken Fitz comes in and plays you know plays out of his mind they try to catch lightning in a bottle you start him in year two he's he, you know he Fitz goes in the toilet you drafted hack that offseason he was terrible and uh, you put yourself in a spot where you had to take a quarterback this year, and they did, and they traded up, they got the guy, and and now they move forward. So it's uh, it's th- things are looking up, man. It, it, you know, I said it, I said it the day, I said it the day that they that they drafted Darnold. You know, if, if you can't be happy as a Jet fan right now, then I, I don't know, I don't know when you can be happy. I understand you got to see it on the field and all that, but Jesus, you know, allow allow ten seconds of optimism into your life because. It's uh, you know, it, it, it's their Jets are in a really good spot right now. They have a lot of good players, uh, despite the the criticism of of Mike McCagnan. You know, they have some excellent receiving targets. Um, o line needs some work. You know, they're not a perfect team. I'm not saying they're going to win a, you know, they're not going to win the division, but this team is much better than people give them credit for. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, if they win eight nine games. Um, so we'll see how it all pans out. But uh, thanks for calling in. Did you have anything else you wanted to go over? I uh, know it's perfect. Thank you, Glenn. Have a good night. All right, you too, man. Thanks for calling.
All right. So, yeah, you know, like I said, if you can't be happy right now with the way things are going, the fact that you have Sam Darnold, the, the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is looking good, looks like he's, you know, back to full strength. You know, this, this is a guy who was a first-round pick. And a lot of people were upset that he wasn't a Jets pick. You know, that uh, the Jets didn't, didn't take the plunge and draft Teddy Bridgewater when he was there. Well, now a couple of years later, they got him. And whether he plays for them or ends up being a trade chip that they can acquire someone else for him or a, a pick for him, that'll play itself out. But like I said, when was the last time the Jets had one quarterback on their roster? They, 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 you know, last season at any point before the trade deadline, of course, the Jets could have called every team in the NFL and offered their quarterback for whatever price they wanted to give. What do you think anybody would be willing to give up for the guys they had? You know, well, we saw nothing for Bryce Petty. We saw that. And then a seventh for uh, Christian Hackenberg. Right now, well, again, this is a little early because it's only one practice. But let's face it, in a couple months, Teddy Bridgewater has one or two nice preseason games and the Jets make some phone calls, I guarantee you they'd be, you know, teams would be willing to pull the trigger on a deal for him. And that may, you know, in the end, that might be what we end up seeing. So time will tell. We'll have to wait that one out. But uh, let me go back to the phones again and see who we have here with us again. No call screener tonight. So, and we are still waiting on, waiting, hoping to hear from Neville Hewitt. But uh, this is a 917 area code. Hi, this is Jet Nation Radio. You're on the air? Uh, yes, hello? Yes? Um, yeah, I would like to call in, and I would just like to say, I think the New England Patriots are the greatest team of all time. You, you can make a good case for that. I think, uh, you know, that, that, would be, that would be a tough and thing I to argue. That, uh, and I think that the best and, coach and of really... all time is, you know, Jason Giambi, of course. Yes, very, very topical. Very, very, uh, very important stuff And I think that um, Michael and, and Jackson any other, any other plays a quarterback. <laughs> right. Michael Jackson else? played quarterback for uh, the Jets. Okay. What else? And um, I think that you should start a uh, – I think you're a great – I think you're a great radio show host. You, you kind of remind me of Mike Francesa. Right. And uh, I think the Jets would benefit greatly from uh, Jason Giambi and Michael Jackson. Okay. Anything else? And um, I just think the Patriots are as great as a team. Um, I think Vince Lombardi would be proud. Okay. I'm not, I, I don't I know Lombardi's history. I don't know... I'd have to look back. I don't know how many draft picks he lost for cheating, but we'll see if we can look that up and find that for you. Anything else? Uh, Vince Lombardi should come out of retirement and coach the uh, – he should coach the um, – he should coach the Philadelphia Falcons. Or maybe he can come out of retirement and write you some new material? What what do you mean? I don't know. I don't know what you're saying here. That's my point. I I just want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, agree agree on all counts. Um, great call. Thanks for listening, and uh, look forward to hearing from you again. All right. So some uh, maybe some stern show wannabes. I don't know. And I don't I don't mind that type of stuff if it's uh, 
if it's funny. But, you know, it's it's tough, man. It's it's hard to, you know, you hear people try to wisecrack and, and you know, just uh, come up with original good material, whether they're trying to, whether they're doing it to be fun or malicious. And I'll give you a couple seconds to see if you can come up with something worthwhile, but uh, that particular person did not. So that's that. So, again, OTAs are underway, and, you know, it's it's uh it's not quite real football, but it's football. It's something because you know this time of year it's it's slow, man. So these few days we get here and there, you really wanna you kind of dig in and and you want to get every bit of information that you can. So just a few notes from training camp today, or from OTAs rather. Um, just kind of you know popping around the, the Twitter feed, looking at what the different beat writers, some of their observations. So um, just a few things to cover. We mentioned earlier Sam Darnold reportedly struggled in his, uh, in his team, set, team period, 7-on-7, seven 11-on-11, seven, 11 11, went 2 out of 10. So that wasn't so, uh, that, that wasn't so hot. But uh, one observation or one, one note from uh, Dennis Wozak from the AP who joined us a couple weeks ago, uh, if you're not following Dennis on Twitter, Dwaz73 at Dwaz73. He does a great job for them for the AP covering the Jets. Um, he mentioned a uh, that uh, Kevin Pierre Louis made a, a nice athletic interception on uh, during seven on sevens with Teddy Bridgewater. Managed to get his hand on a ball, tip it up, tip it to himself, and make the interception. And it, it, I, this is a guy I was thinking about the other day in Pierre Louis, and I, I may have said it when they signed him, but in looking at you know taking a peek at over the cap the other day and looking at some of the contracts on the books. Now this guy isn't scheduled to make a ton of money. He's, uh, you know, he's on the books for for two years, six million, and I'm I'm really interested to see what the plan is for this guy, because in all reality, two years, six million isn't a lot of money. But this is a guy. He, he's played some inside linebacker. He's played some outside. From what I've read, I'm, I'm not going to say, and I think I've mentioned this before. I'm not going to pretend, pretend that I've watched a bunch of, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs backup linebackers in action. Um, but I, from what I've read, he's played the edge. He's played inside. He doesn't have a single sack in four years. Um, not a guy who's done enough that you can you can look at and envision what his role will be outside of special teams. And the fact of the matter is, that's a lot of money for it. I mean, that that can't be the only role the Jets envision for this guy. You're not going to pay a guy three million dollars a year, you know, just to, just to be on. So uh, I'm anxious to see what he does, and I'm I'm hoping to see his name more and more. Because, uh, again, for that type of money, they, they must see something in him that they like. And I think I said this at the time when they signed him. It kind of reminds you of the Josh Martin deal last year where he got enough. Josh Martin got a big enough deal. I think his was two years, $5 million, something like that, just off the top of my head. He, you kind of knew that he wasn't just going to be a special teams guy. And he wasn't. You know, he, was, he was a guy who started five, six games for them and you know, got extensive playing time. Didn't produce as much as you would have liked, only a sack and a half. But even still, I think this is a guy who's probably a bit more versatile than Josh Martin. But again, three years, six million, or sorry, two years, six million, three million a year. I'm interested to see how that how that pans out, and what they you know what they have in mind for him. And uh, and speaking of linebackers, um, I noticed a I saw one note from from Manish Mehta, New York Daily News. Okay, we've uh, you know love him or hate him, Manish. Matter and, and he, this off season, this last few months especially, we've mentioned it a few times. 
he's he scooped a bunch of stories. People like to rib Manish and how he, he makes up his sources and he's you know he makes up stories. He came out with a bunch of stuff that nobody else had. So you know he's he's definitely got people somewhere, whether it's you know team employee, player, somebody, someone's giving him stories. But anyway, this isn't related to that. This is just uh, a name I've seen Manish mention, and it's interesting because I've not seen his name mentioned anywhere else. Um, that's inside undrafted, uh, undrafted free agent Anthony Wint, inside linebacker out of FIU, Florida International. He's a guy who, you know, again, small school like that, small linebacker, hard to find anything on him really. There's, it's so little film. Um, it, it, it's just there's just not not enough in, you know, not enough. Uh, film out there on him or highlights, even highlights, which is, you know, as we say, it's no way to grade a player, but it can give you an idea of what they're capable of. But uh, nothing on him. But uh, for those of you who noticed, when rookie OTAs, when rookie minicamp wrapped up, Manish Mehta said that he thought Anthony Wint was the most impressive player or one of the most impressive players out there, which I thought was interesting, again, because nobody else had mentioned his name. And then, uh, and then Manish mentions him today. He says, keep an eye on Anthony Wint. He's getting rest with the starters and team drills. And uh, the Jets really like him. I mean, undrafted free agent linebacker, and he's getting some run with the starters on day one. It could be a thing where they just want to – the Jets think he can do some things and give him a chance to show it right away, uh, an opportunity to see how he does with the big boys and flush him out if he's not making, if he's not making a grade. But uh, if, he's, if he's doing all right, which according to uh, Manish Mehta, he's looked impressive. Um, another interesting thing, and I think this is kind of what you'd expect. This wouldn't be surprised one bit – if this is how the Jets run it throughout the season. Um, Henry Anderson, who was acquired from the Colts for a seventh-round draft pick, um, and Nathan Shepard, the third-rounder out of Fort Hayes State, they, uh, they were swapping in and out today along the D-line. I think we'll see them opposite Leo for most of this season. Um, another guy who's going to be you know, fighting for a roster spot, not fighting, well, probably unlikely. I, I know I've mentioned earlier he, he could be a, a casualty, but I think, uh, I think he's – is uh, Chad Hansen. I've talked earlier this offseason about him and, and uh, Ardarius Stewart, and could one of those guys get cut, and would I be shocked? No, I wouldn't. Um, but, you know, that's based largely on the fact that they just weren't used last year. Um, they, they didn't get many reps. And the fact that Hansen passed Stewart on the depth chart makes you think the coaching staff, whatever he was doing, was, uh, was more impressive than what Stewart was doing. But either way... One one quick note from uh, Connor Hughes, and I saw a couple of other beat writers tweeted out. Basically, Chad Hansen lining up against Morris Claiborne uh, made him look silly, smoked him on the deep ball, and uh, well, actually, this, uh, it doesn't say it was a deep ball. It said he juked and made him look silly. Offense started jumping up and down, went a little bit crazy, and uh, probably gave uh, probably gave Claiborne an earful. But you know, I'm assuming deep ball because let's face it, as we said, you know, we said after the draft, we said during the season. Um, that's kind of that was Hanson's calling card in college. That he did a, uh, you know, he did a really nice job getting getting deep, getting behind the defense. And that's a guy who, you know, even with all this depth at receiver. One interesting note I wanted to bring this up because it's been uh, it's been rumored on a couple of I've seen it on a couple of different sites, but nothing confirmed. Sounds legit though. Uh, Terrell Pryor. Possibly may you know looks looks like he may have fractured that ankle, um, or fractured an ankle. I, I didn't see that it was the same ankle he had issues with previously, but he was not at practice today. Um, and a couple people tweeted out that he was seen recently in a boot. So nothing uh, nothing further on nothing that I saw. There may be something out there. As a matter of fact, I would imagine Todd Bowles would have been asked, 
but I did. It, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't mean it hasn't been addressed. I I hadn't seen it addressed up to this point. But if he's got an ankle fracture, you know, we still got a couple months till training camp. So I would expect he'll be he'll be ready to go by the time the season rolls around if he can stay healthy. So that's another uh, that's another thing worth keeping an eye on. But while he's out, you know, during these OTAs and stuff like that, this is where Chad Hansen gets an opportunity to to make an impression. And another second-year guy, uh, Dylan Donahue, the uh, second-year linebacker out of West Georgia. We all know his off-season issues. He got himself a DUI driving the wrong way down the Lincoln Tunnel and entered rehab. The Jets did say that they were willing to work with him. But as Christopher Johnson said, that the Jets' patience was not, you know, was not infinite or never-ending. They, they would draw a line at some point. So if Dylan Donahue was on his last chance with the Jets, he uh, appears to be, and it is very early, but he appears to be off to a good start, claims he's uh, cut alcohol out completely after his rehab stint, and he has gotten in touch with Austin Safarian Jenkins, who famously battled alcohol issues as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's how he landed with the Jets, was released by Tampa after being found sleeping in his car, found to be drunk. And that was his second or third incident. So Dylan Donahue reaching out to a former teammate who went through a similar situation. At this point, you know, at this point, uh, you know, not not to say the guy's not being genuine, but it's it's far too early to say he's he's turned things around. Um, you know, these things aren't easy. Anyone who has or knows someone who has battled with addiction or uh, or just just alcohol issues, it's not uh, it's not as easy as just saying okay, I'll stop. Um, so you know, that's something that. The Jets will be keeping a close eye on. And Chris Herndon, uh, another rookie tight end out of Miami, apparently made a made an impressive catch today from uh, from Teddy Bridgewater. Saw that from Connor Hughes and a couple other folks, and uh, just said just said it was a great catch. And you know, not not uh, not a great deal of uh, of detail, but let's face it, this is a team that even you know as nice as it was to see Austin Safarian Jenkins play well early last year. The fact of the matter is he disappeared down the stretch, and this team still has not had a legitimate receiving tight end threat um, for for way too long now, you know, since Dustin Keller had himself a nice year or two about a decade ago. So it's time to, to fix this tight end situation. So between between Herndon and Leggett, Tomlinson, hopefully the answer is in there somewhere. Even a Neil Sterling, don't count him out. Athletic guy, could be a playmaker. Or even just, you know, even just a – an adequate backup. You know, he's he's shown that he can do some things. He looked good in the Week 17 loss to the Pats when Safarian Jenkins went down. That was his most extensive action of the year, and he played well. So whether or not that carries over, we'll see. And uh, just you know, someone someone tweeted to me earlier. You know, how do I how do I you know get access to, to training camp or to, to the OTAs? And that's, it's not going to happen. Just uh, just get on the Jets beat writers, man. Uh, there's a lot of good ones out there, and uh, even though I know there's a lot of fans find reasons to not like these guys, but these, you know, a lot of these guys do a really good job. Mentioned some of them earlier, and you know, most of you, I'm sure, if you're listening to this show, chances are, like myself, like a lot of the diehards, you're following all the all the writers on the beat, and that's that's the best way to get the information. Um, so we're also going to be joined today by Christian Dyer, who has been uh, keeping an eye on things on uh, at. at uh, one Jets drive. He's going to share his thoughts with us on a couple of different topics. As I, you know, I mentioned earlier, 
his his piece on Todd Bowles. I'm sure we'll go over that because uh, let's face it, you know, it, it's a topic that a lot of fans see, seem to be torn. Really, a lot of you know people feel like you know it's it's a it's a it's a results based business, and the results under Todd Bowles has been no playoffs, no playoffs, no playoffs. And why should he get a fourth year of no playoffs? Um, Christian's going to give us his thoughts on that. He should be calling in any minute, actually. Um, we'll talk a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the quarterbacks, of course, and um, we'll cover Bridgewater, you know, as as we did earlier. And uh, I mean, let's face it the uh, the quarterback stuff is it, it's a hot topic, you know, because this this team right now is is sitting in a spot where they don't know for sure who their starter is going to be, but they actually, for a change, have some decent options. So we'll cover some of that. But uh, another issue I want to talk about was uh, in, terms of, in terms of the way training camp or in terms of the way OTAs, you know, the way these things unfold, it, I know that, you know, as I said, it's, it's that time of year where there's, there's, there's no news out there, there's nothing going on, these huge – you know, feel like black holes of non-activity for football fans who are just dying for some news. Um, I think that I think that it's important. You know, take take everything with a grain of salt. You know, it, it's it, the good stuff is it, it's nice to it's nice to hear. You you want to you want to hear that guys are doing what you expect them to be able to do, but um, you also you don't want to get too down when guys aren't playing well. You know, it's, it's day one. Sam Darnold goes two for ten, so what? You know, he's, that's something he's going to, you know, the, the good and bad are going to come. And especially early on when he's still, when he's learning the system, a lot of young guys out there learning the system. And it just always surprises me every year. I feel like uh, I feel like people get a little bit too high or a little bit too low during OTAs. And it really is just, it's, you know, there's not hitting. You know, they're they're saw some clips that I think it was on the Jets site. They had some clips. Everybody's running around in shorts and T-shirts. You know, there's not uh, there's not a whole lot going on in terms of contact. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it, we hear it all the time. You know, the, the league, the play around the league has suffered, you know, as, as a result of the, the lack of hitting, the lack of contact that's allowed. Um, and this is, this is the time of year where there's not a lot of it, but guys are going to miss time. Uh, Matter of fact, some some names that popped up today that that uh, I was a little bit surprised to see. Um, Sharon Peak. I didn't. I didn't. I know. You know. We know we missed a lot of last year. He was a name that showed up as a guy who was sidelined. Devin Smith, as as per usual, uh, was sidelined. So let's see here. So you know, it's one of those things where guys are going to miss time. Guys are going to be recovering from injuries. Uh, from what I understand, Lorenzo Malden was out there, and he looked really good. Or sorry, I didn't no, nothing on how he looked. I, I think it was I, what I meant to say is really good that he's out there because you know he missed so much more time last year than a lot of us expected. We uh, at least initially the the expectation was he would miss a couple of weeks and then maybe you know maybe the opener and then maybe half the season and just you know turned out he never. Never got back in there, and he's one of these guys. You know, you go through the Jets roster, as, as is the case with any roster, and there are guys out there that uh, they're they're fighting for their jobs. You know, they're fighting for their roster spots, and it's not a 
it, you know, some of these guys, it's not going to be pretty. You're going to see names lost, or you're going to see guys lose their jobs and get cut. And Malden is definitely a bubble guy. But uh, we're going to go back to the phones right now. And, again, no screener tonight. But, caller, you are on the air. Hey, it's Christian. I was hoping it would be Christian. Normally I have your number right next to me so I know when you're calling in and didn't have it tonight. So, But I saw you call up or pop up right when you should have been calling. So thanks for joining us, Christian. I was just uh, teasing the appearance, talking about, you know, briefly on a couple of things we'd be touching on. And uh had a couple of things for you because, you know, you and I communicated earlier today uh, just to kind of give ourselves a heads up what we'd go over. And uh, some some pretty important stuff has happened since then. Um, of course, the Hackenberg deal. But uh, let's let's start with uh, with what we talked about. And again, this is uh, Christian Dyer from Metro covers the Jets, covers the Giants a little bit, and does some uh, some Red Bulls for you soccer fans out there. But um, I, I talked earlier. Christian mentioned the piece he wrote on Todd Bowles. There's no playoff mandate. There were some fans that surprisingly were were upset by that. But uh, you know, my, my feeling is that he's uh and I'm not, I'm far from a Todd Bowles apologist. I'm not a huge Todd Bowles fan. But if you're going to take a step back and look at it objectively for where this team is right now in this rebuild, um, I think it would be foolish to, to issue a playoff mandate. But, you know, what did you find out and what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I think you look at the fact that the Jets were picked to be 0-16 a year ago and, and, you know, did, I think, a reasonably good job, especially before Josh McCown went down with the injury, you're looking at six of those losses that they had were by eight points or fewer. They were in a bunch of ball games. Uh, they were in a bunch of ball games against teams that they had no right to be in uh, against. When you look at uh, the way they played the New England Patriots and some of those other early season games where if a bounce goes their way or, or a referee call um, goes their way, all of a sudden we're talking about, about a team that uh, by mid-October was, was going to be 4-2 and two when they were supposed to be 0-6. So I think Bowles deserves the credit for overachieving and getting a young team to buy in uh, while at the same time building a certain amount of depth. And and I think anyone who thinks that 2018 is going to be a a return for this team to the postseason, you know, probably um, do not also put money on the uh, Las Vegas Knights making it as far as they have in the NHL playoffs. I'm not sure lightning is going to strike twice uh, in, in professional sports with the Jets making the playoffs this year. This is a young team. It's a team that is lacking in high-end talent, but it's a team where, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago, where uh, a team that is very much still in the rebuild and it's kind of where the Jets were in 2006, 2007, coming off a couple pretty decent drafts, uh, some might say very good drafts, adding some core players, and then being in a position where 2007, 2008, 2009, they're going to be able to go out and spend money in free agency the next couple of years and make that big splash and add those veteran proven players who can get them over the top. And uh, to me, it's the right way to go about doing things. And the one way you can really accelerate a rebuild is to have consistency at the head coaching position. I, I don't think Todd Bowles is the perfect head coach, but I think he's a better head coach than he was three years ago when this team was 10 and six. He just doesn't necessarily have the talent there uh, to be able to get this team into the conversation of double digit wins. And you want to sell free agents, high end free agents, and there's going to be a number of good ones coming out next year. Um, you know, you want to sell them on something in a program 
You can certainly take them to a, the facility, which is beautiful. You can certainly offer a lot of money. You can offer guaranteed money. You can offer prominent roles and playing time and everything else. Uh, but the one thing that I think a lot of these players are going to be looking for is who's the head coach and is the organization consistently behind them. And, uh, you know, it, not that it's been a revolving door around here, but there's always been talk every couple of years about the Jets making wholesale changes and being able to go in with another head coach for next year, what would be a fifth year. Uh, I think that's a very important thing that people aren't considering when free agents are looking to line up outside uh, Florham Park Drive. Yeah, and, you know, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, and I think I think the important thing, and, you know, we've, I've talked about this before, and, you know, you hear people say it, and not, not every – you know, there are different ways to go seven and nine or eight and eight. You know, if this team, if, if they if they have some, some bumps and some blips early on and say, you know, you start off two and five or three and six, and then you go on a tear and, you know, win six out of your last seven and you miss the playoffs, well, you didn't make the playoffs, but you're clearly trending in the right direction and things are coming together. You know, if, if you have a year like Rex Ryan had, remember that season where, they literally, for the first, like, 15 weeks, it was win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Win. Zero consistency. You know, one week you look great. The next week you look terrible. Um, I think those are the types of years that get you fired, where it's like, what is the direction here? There's nothing – we're not building anything. There's nothing consistent. So I can see Todd Bowles keeping his job if he goes 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, even 6-10, and 10, if, it's, if there's a strong finish and we see, you know, we see a, a good push late in the year. Uh, you know, that's how Eric Mangini got himself fired after – Eric Mangini had that, that, that season where, you know, the Jets looked like they were going to the Super Bowl. He starts at, what was it, 7-3 and three or something along those lines. And then they fall apart down the stretch. And everyone says, oh, they were 8-8. Eight and 8-8 eight. Eight and eight isn't that bad. 8-8 eight and eight is that bad when you started 7-3. and three. Um, So, you know, almost the victim of his own success early on that year. But n- not every 7-9, and nine, not every 8-8 eight and eight is the same thing. Um, so, so I agree. And, again, and, I, and I've said, you know, anyone who listens to the show knows I'm not a huge Todd Bowles fan. But that doesn't mean you can't be objective and, and, and fair and look at the situation for what it is. And, and what it is right now is a guy with a young team with some talent, some deficiencies. And I think if he gets the most out of his roster and they show improvement, I think he's safe you know, in, in a 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine season. Yeah, to, to, to me, if he gets five or six wins, which I think is reasonable with this roster, uh, again, you have to look and say, were they consistently blown out of games? Uh, and, and there's also another big scenario we haven't even broached yet, and maybe this leads us into another topic, but uh, who is the starting quarterback week 11 of this team? If it's Josh McCown mm-hmm. or Teddy Bridgewater, there's going to be very mm-hmm. different expectations for this team to be closer to 500 than, say, if Absolutely. number three overall pick Sam Darnold who didn't have a great day, didn't have a horrible day today, still learning the playbook. But if Sam Darnold is out there and is the guy who's leading this team week 10, week 11 for what's essentially the second half of the season, then all of a sudden you have to say this is a developmental year. And and we've seen it before where a rookie quarterback can drastically change things for the positive or for the negative for this franchise. And I think if you're willing to – chalk up the second half of the year to saying, okay, it's now going to be the Sam Chise. It's going to be Sam Darnold who's going to be in charge of this franchise. Then your expectations are clearly going to have to change. And uh, I don't think anyone expects Sam Darnold to be the week one quarterback. I I think truth be told, Sam Darnold doesn't expect to be the week one quarterback. It it doesn't mean he's not going to try, uh, but you don't bring in two veteran quarterbacks like this unless you had a plan in place that no matter who you were taking with that first round pick, they were going to be brought along at whatever is the right pace for them. And Sam Darnold 
may not see the year outside of spot duty, uh, you know, may not see the field outside of spot duty this year. And that's okay. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's developing slowly. It just may mean that Teddy Bridgewater or Josh McCown is in a position to better lead this team. And it's better to slow play the Darnold development for at least a year. So I think there's an awful lot of pieces that are, that kind of still have to be figured out before we say that there's a playoff mandate, which I'm being told that there's not. Uh, but I also think before we begin to pigeonhole necessarily wins losses, you want to see that this team's in games, uh, that this team hasn't quit on the process, and most importantly to me, who the quarterback is going to be before we can say six wins should, should get Todd Bowles his job. They may mm-hmm. not be in a position come week 12 necessarily to get that sixth win if they've got a rookie under center who still needs some work. And keep in mind, who isn't able to legally drink until training camp. That's a young quarterback. Yeah, and, and that, you know, that, that's another thing that uh... – that people can't forget, you know, because the expectations get so high so quick with these first round, especially these top five, top ten quarterbacks, people forget how young these guys are. They really are still kids. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons the Jets took this guy is because of his, you know, his demeanor, his maturity. You know, he comes across as kind of being wise beyond his years, as they say. So, we'll, you know, we'll, and, we'll see and how that pans worst, out. But... And it's not the worst thing for the organization if the Jets maybe are getting another pick inside the top 10. I know no one wants to go through a difficult year, but considering the fact that then you would have a Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams, uh, Sam Darnold all going into next year and then being able to add another pick inside the top 10. I know Deron Lee didn't work out, but being able to get one more building block for this team, if that's an offensive lineman, if that's a playmaker at wide receiver, tight end, running back, someone else to add into this core who can kind of become a star on the rise that then you can supplement in free agency. I don't think as a Jets fan, you want to root for wins and losses, but there is the silver lining here that there would be a pretty good spine to this team in place uh, if they end up picking in the top 10. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I, I, I think for me personally, in terms of, you know, where I think this team will finish, um, and, you know, it's, it, it's ridiculously early to even guess, but not even looking at the schedule, just in terms of what they gained and what they lost this offseason, I feel like if you're replacing, you know, if McCown is your starter, you've replaced Bryce Petty with, with Teddy Bridgewater, which is, an, you know, the, the improvement there is infinite. Uh, one mm. guy looked completely lost, and nothing against Bryce Petty, but he looked lost. And the other guy's been to the playoffs. Um, at center, you had a guy who was arguably the worst center in the NFL in Wesley Johnson, now replaced with a guy who's had some injuries, but is at least, a, at the very least, a good center. So yeah, you, big, much the, big the, upside the, at, the, at the center position. Yeah, the, the upgrades there are enormous. And it's, it's, not that they got, it's not that they got all pro caliber players. It's that they went from potentially worst players in the league at that position to more than capable um, at those positions. And then, of course, you know, now you have a true number one uh, in Tremaine Johnson at corner. Now that improves your two spot with Claiborne. So I look at all of that, and I say, without those – and, you know, Mo Wilkerson, they're not playing 11 on 10 on defense anymore. They're going to have some guys out there giving some effort in Mo Wilkerson's spot. If they won five with that situation, and they've made some pretty big upgrades, that's why I look at them and say, I don't see why they can't win eight. Now, whether or not they do, we'll see. But, uh, you know, every year is different, and they could – hell, they could go out there and not win a game this year. I, I doubt it. But, um, but just the upgrades that – I mean, you can't you – can't, and I hate to say it because, you know, from what I saw up close, seemed like a really good dude, really hard worker. But Wesley Johnson was so bad last year. 
just replacing him with a league average center is going to be huge for that offensive line. Um, you know, now we need to see how Carpenter and Winters fit into this scheme, if they're going heavy zone. But w- one thing I wanted to touch on, Christian, uh, jumping around a little bit here, uh, not jumping too far, though, because staying with the quarterbacks, I was just curious, um, did you hear Christian Hackenberg's remarks before the trade? And, uh, well, I guess that's my first question. Did you hear those remarks that he made about the Jets coaching staff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was very pointedly that he wasn't getting the coaching, you know, at the Jets that he was necessarily from his private trainer, and whether he knew that the trade was, was about ready to happen, or those comments then precipitated, you know, get get out of the door. Um, you know, that, that that to me was probably one of the more unprofessional things you've heard or seen in, in professional sports to go like that on a team that puts you in the second round when, you know, you weren't good enough the first year to even throw a pass in garbage time. Uh, that, that to me was more, raised more than an eyebrow. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the most damning part to me was him saying that uh, he wasn't really getting any information from anybody on how to fix his deficiencies and how happy he was that someone finally stepped up to help him. And he was talking about David Lee, who doesn't even work for the team. So I think that uh, – and, and and it was reported, I believe it was Ian Rappaport, I said earlier, who said that the deal to Oakland was already in the works before those comments. Because um, I wrote a quick blurb well, it, on it. It would make sense hearing. because he didn't have any reps in OTAs. But, you know, there's also the party team. line, too, that, you know, would probably want it out there that this deal's been in the works. I would think it has been in the works, but uh, I'm certainly sure when those comments came out that they couldn't get him out of uh, one jet's drive fast enough. Yeah, I, I literally I saw those comments. I did an article on it, and I think about seven minutes later the deal was announced. Um, they didn't waste any time there at all. And, you know, look, there's the part of me, the the part of me looks at Christian Hackenberg and says he seems like a nice enough, hardworking kid. You kind of feel for him. But at the same time, he did look that bad. I mean, he can say to the media all he wants that he threw the ball well at times. Well, those times were never in public because none of us saw him throw the ball well. And that's just, that's a fact. And it's not that I don't like the guy. It's not that I wish him any ill will. I hope he has himself a nice career. But uh, those comments were were pretty damning. And um, to to if you're Todd Bowles and your quarterback comes out and says nobody was answering any of my questions, and thank God this you know this this free agent coach came along and, and decided to help me, um, and and also contradicting Todd Bowles' earlier statements that he was unaware of Hackenberg's plan to work with Christensen on his mechanics. Hackenberg comes out and says no, I actually told everybody about that in January. We all knew about it. Um, so n- not a great look for either side really. Uh, whether or not, because you don't know if what Hackenberg is saying is true, but I think that with Todd Bowles' deep background as a defensive guy, and as much as they've struggled on offense, I think people are going to be, whether they like Hackenberg or not, I think some people are actually going to want to believe that. Um, but yeah, yeah, and, I just, and, and this just is and think about this isn't a, this isn't a guy who, uh, like Bryce Petty, was kind of a mid-round pick where you can go, okay, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, Christian Hackenberg. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was top forty, I believe. He was, uh, you know, before the yeah. midpoint of the second round. So this is somebody mm-hmm. you're going to want to invest your future in. It's about the same he spot where the Jets, not yeah. exactly. Yeah, it may actually have been the same spot uh, where the Jets took Geno Smith or or awfully close to it, and they rushed him along to start. You want to get an investment, a return on investment on your second-round pick. And if you're a general manager and you're taking a quarterback in the second round, don't you think you would want to give him 
every not just benefit of the doubt, but you want to give him every opportunity to go out there and, and perform and impress and win the starting job. And the fact that Mike McCagnan and Todd Bowles kept this guy buried as far down the bench as they did. Uh, you know, I mean, they were ready to put me in over him at some points last year. And, and, and I, and I can't throw, uh, you know, more than 10 yards. You've seen my arms. I can't throw more than 10 arms. So 10 yards. So to me, the fact that uh, the jets were, willing to divest themselves not only of a second round pick before his third year, but were uh, just so aghast at what he could and could not do on the football field. That to me is more telling because you want your second round pick, especially a quarterback to succeed. Uh, It's a real damning indictment on you as a general manager and a head coach, if he doesn't succeed. So uh, I have a tendency to think that Hackenberg may just be burying the jets on the way out the door. We never heard anything like this from him before. There wasn't any inclination that, well, I want to get more coaching or, you know, I want to make this work or anything like that. Nothing that ever popped up in the media. And it seems surprising to me that Bryce Petty, who I, who I think is a, is a class act, quite frankly, but that Bryce Petty never made any similar comments and Bryce Petty with less talent on paper than Christian Hackenberg, uh, you know, seemed to be able to develop at least somewhat with the Jets into something resembling a backup quarterback in the NFL. And Christian Hackenberg, the second-round pick, was unable to do so. Yeah, I, you know, I said it earlier. I, outside of that, you know, that first drive we saw him on in the preseason, his rookie year, where he made three or four great throws, that, that was it. That we, we never saw anything close to that again. Uh, I've, I've referenced many times that fourth preseason game against the Eagles where he got extensive action. And, Christian, I left that stadium shaking my head. And just I just said, you know, a friend of mine that I went to the game with, I was like, that guy can't be an NFL quarterback. He, he looked like a, a bad high school quarterback. The number of balls he threw that were not even close. I mean, balls falling, falling four or five yards at the receiver's feet. I, you know, it, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I thought, it is going to take a miracle to turn this guy around. And again, it's not a personal thing. I, I, you know, I, I have no issue with him as a person, but there was no denying how bad he was. And um, now he goes to Oakland where John Gruden, you know, as I said earlier, John Gruden gushes about everybody that goes on his show. Uh, you mentioned that you throwing a ball, Christian. If, if you or I went on John Gruden's QB camp, uh, you turn those cameras on and everybody's a first round pick in his mind. So uh, I really like the way Glenn throws that Nerf football. He, he, he just he exactly. lights up with that ball in his hand. But, you know, I, I, I do exactly. think it's interesting that, that Hackenberg kind of went through a little bit of turmoil at Penn State, went through a couple offensive coordinators. He was tremendous his first year in Happy Valley. This guy, everyone was saying, he, you know, he was going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft next year. I remember and that. There was kind of all yep. this hype about him. And, and then it really tailed off, and he had a bad offensive line. Keep in mind, they were coming off the sanctions, uh, so they didn't have a whole lot of talent on that team, or at least not as much as kind of the Penn State teams now do. Uh, so it, it, to me, I don't know how much he suffered during his time at Penn State. I think that uh, James Franklin, their head coach, there's a tremendous recruiter. I think he's improved as a game day coach. But two years ago, I was telling people I thought of the Power Five conferences, he was the worst game day coach in terms of adjustments. 
uh, just because all this talent wasn't necessarily meshing and gelling. Now, Saquon Barkley will solve an awful lot of those problems, and we'll see where Penn State's at this year without Barkley. But I think Hackenberg did suffer from that. He had a couple offensive coordinators here with the Jets, uh, and and I think maybe just personality-wise just didn't necessarily click in that locker room for whatever reason, whether it was his fault or or, or just the way things gelled or didn't gel for him. So uh, at the end of the day, it's probably best for his career that he goes off to Oakland. Maybe they can resurrect him and make him into a serviceable backup quarterback, you know, for the sake of his children's college education. I, I hope that he can get another contract in the NFL. But uh, right now I, I think you've got to look and wonder what the Jets could have done with that second round pick uh, had they not invested and reached. And a lot of people thought Hackenberg in the second round was around too early. Yeah, well, I mean, take it for what you will, but I do remember, and I actually saw it retweeted earlier, I do remember Pro Football Focus saying he had an undraftable grade for him. They saw him as an undrafted free agent, and uh, up to this point, uh, they called it most accurately because that's, that's about how he's played. But uh, before you go, Christian, let's hit one more topic. Um, you know, we, we've actually, you know what? We are just Real quick, give me a name. Which which rookie outside of Darnold has the biggest impact? Give us two seconds on that, and then we'll let you go. Yeah, uh, I think the kid that they just signed the long-term contract to, the uh, the third-rounder um, out of Fort Hay State, and I, and I just completely blanked on his name. Still learning some of these names. Um, but, you know, Shepard. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I think that he has a – and I apologize for that. Um, but I think he has a real chance here not only to crack the two-deep – uh, but to be a, a real positive contributor for this team, it's an area of need for the Jets. I don't know how much of your film of his film you've been able to watch, but he is very nimble on his feet, moves well. His hands need some improvement, certainly. And I think technique-wise, he's going to need something. But you talk about the athletic components right there, uh, you know, the Jets have had a fair amount of success under the radar defensive linemen coming in and really kind of gelling in this program. You look at where Damon Harrison was and where he's at now, signing that mammoth contract with the Giants uh, two years ago, three years ago. Uh, To me, there's a similar type of upside with what he can do here, how he can fit in, and just in terms of the raw ability that he has. uh, Everyone says that he's a very coachable kid, that he comes in, he's humble, he's hardworking. Uh, To me, I think he has the potential to be a starter on this team by 2019. I don't think anybody would disagree with that assessment. I know Todd Bowles has said he expects him to play quite a bit early on. Christian, thanks so much for your time. Again, Christian Dyer of Metro. Give Christian a follow on Twitter, and he will join us here regularly on Jet Nation Radio. Uh, thanks, thanks again for your time, Christian. No, no problem. appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right, so that wraps things up with Christian, who uh, you know has some some big expectations for Nathan Shepard. I think Christian got a little uh, little tongue tied there. I told him I was going to let him go and then put him back on the spot to answer one more question. But um, either way, <clears throat> I think the, the thing with Nathan Shepard, and I, you know, not to get too far ahead, but watching what I've been able to find on him, again, these small school guys, it's tough to find clips, but uh, reminds me of a a little bit of Sheldon Richardson, um, different body type, but in terms of his ability to move. Give it and with the size, the the uh, you know as, as Christian said, he's you know nimble for a big guy. I feel like he moves really well for a guy his size. And some of the clips I saw kind of you know remind me a little bit of Sheldon. But maybe you have a a guy who's a little bit older than Sheldon Richardson, 
or older than Sheldon was when he came out, but uh, but a lot more mature and a lot more to offer in terms of character. So that is going to wrap things up this week on Jet Nation Radio. I do apologize that we weren't able to get uh, things worked out with Neville Hewitt. Uh, like I said, communicated earlier, sounded like we were good to go, and then may have hit a snag later in the day. Uh, my, I, I believe it's probably, in all honesty, uh, we scheduled his appearance quite some time ago, and I think uh, we may have overlooked the fact that it was day one of OTAs when he agreed to do the show today. So, again, I think uh, my fault for giving them that date, and they did say they would try to work something out today. Um, the expectation, we, you know, again, we expected them to, to be here, but I think that's what happened ultimately. Uh, it's a long day for these guys, get up early, get out to practice, get in the classrooms. So uh, the last thing he wants to do is get on the radio and, and talk to me, right? I mean, who can blame the guy? So uh, maybe another time, maybe not. We'll see how that goes. But either way, thank you so much for listening. And, uh, you know, again, big day, hacks gone, moving on with Darnold and uh, some, some encouraging things out of day one at camp or at OTAs and, you know, some not so encouraging things. But it's early, but we have, uh, we have some football to talk about. So we will be back again. Actually, for those of you uh, who listen regularly, we will not be airing next week. Uh, OTAs will have wrapped up by then. There won't be a lot going on. And uh, I will be out of the country. Well, hey, I'm, I live in England. I'm always out of the country. But uh, I will be out of this country uh, for a few days, and that will include next Tuesday. So I will not be doing a show, but we will be back the following week, maybe have, uh, have a couple guests lined up at that point. But, again, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. hope you enjoyed Christian's appearance. And uh, look forward to getting with you guys again in a couple weeks. Have a great night, Jets fans.